Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. And I am John Burroughs, your host today of Your Fiscal Fitness. And our topic today is how to become a risky woman. Or as I like to say, I'd like to call it risky business. Our leading lady today, our guest, is Megan Farrell-Ragsdale. Good afternoon, Megan. And then I'm going to roll into our questions, but just say hello, if you would, to our audience this Friday afternoon. Thanks, John. I'm really, really excited to be here. So um, I'm going to just let you do most of the talking here. I'll I'll pepper you with some questions along the way, but one of the things that um, uh, it's funny how you came to get connected with us here today was through a mutual acquaintance, which is my personal assistant at American Pacific uh, Mortgage. It's Aaron is uh, apparently uh, you know each other through your children attending the same school and such. So I feel really lucky that she said, hey, John, I've got an idea for one of your shows. And we got connected and had a great conversation. So, Megan, you are the founder of Megan Ragsdale, I guess, the person, the persona, the personality, and an author, accomplished author, businesswoman. But give our audience just a little bit of a background on yourself and what this whole Risky Inc. is all about. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. So for most of my career, I have operated as sort of a big four consulting hired gun where I come in and help organizations scale. So for a large part of my, um, you know, corporate career, that has meant being an expat and living overseas and, and leading large global teams, really helping organizations that need to transition from what they're doing today to growing at two, three, four times their current size. So that may look like growing their retail footprint, bringing a product to market. And I also cultivated over that course of time um, a real deep interest in building high-performing leadership teams. And that is what I consider to be my super strength. And um, I was in 2021, about 18 months into the pandemic, and I remember feeling burned out myself being a a C-suite leader of a really large retail company and also coaching clients on the side and having two kids in Zoom school. And at the same time, I was noticing a lot was being written about women in the workplace and the impact of COVID on the progress for women, which was looking like it was going to set us back about 150 years, which I think it may even be worse now. And I remember thinking about the concept of risk and thinking about how it can mean so many different things when you think about why women weren't getting funding, less than 3% of women founders and women-led businesses were getting those investment dollars and the representation of women in the C-suite was much lower than it, than it really should be. I was thinking about how 
um, and why it is that people don't bet on women leaders. And it's because people are looking for pattern recognition. And because women aren't well represented, there isn't a pattern necessarily that investors and, um, you know, other organizations can look to when it comes to women leaders, even though the data on women-led companies is really compelling and in the favor of women being phenomenal leaders when it comes to return on invested capital, when it comes to profitability and overall revenues, uh, creating great sustainable cultures. So I just started to think a lot about that concept of risk and how your risk tolerance and um, how you think about taking risks is largely cultivated by how you are raised. And for men and women, that is very, very different. Women are really trained from inception to become great experts at risk defense. And I think if we're going to leapfrog that 150-year gap in progress, then we have to learn to take that amazing natural skill of ours and turn it into an effective offensive strategy. Hmm. That's very interesting. So, so that essentially was the impetus behind the book that you wrote. I mean, that's the backstory. Am I correct? Yes, that is the backstory. It was really writing the book that I needed to read at that time while at the same time really trying to um, make sense of the patterns that I was seeing in the women executives that I was coaching. And I coach men and women um, and really enjoy doing both. But I was noticing that my really high-performing, incredibly talented female coaches were getting really blocked out of the C-suite, making that leap from that uh, vice president or executive position into the actual C-suite itself was really um, fraught for my female coaches. And when I started to think about what that looked like, I realized that I had to start advocating for women to quit and to leave their places of work and to start over. And how to get to parity would be more women starting their own businesses, frankly, or women actually leaving organizations that weren't valuing them and their skill set. And that felt scary to get behind, but in my experience with the people that I was working with, it was the only way that they were actually getting that forward traction in their careers. Interesting here, and I have in my notes here too, I I find it uh, interesting, one of the comments that says that Megan Ragsdale wants you to quit your job. Uh, That's (laughs) right, she wants you to, and maybe consider starting your own business. Now, when I think the word risk, as I'm sure a lot of people, they think it is something potentially scary and, you know, fraught with challenges, but you're taking this from a whole different perspective. So, you know, what's different about your book and all the other business books directed at women? Um, how do you stand out or differentiate yourself uh, from other mainstream type of publications? I think that's a great question, John, and I appreciate that. And I think that goes back to what, you know, what did I need to read at the time? And I think where books uh, really fall short in their um, ideology when it comes to trying to coach women is they keep asking us to try and fit within the mold of the current workplace, which is so systemically broken and really isn't suitable for us or even really going to empower us to reach the highest levels of leadership. So we really have to build a new paradigm. And I think the term risk, and we talk about it a lot in terms of cyber, there's a lot of really scary lexicon that goes along with risk. You know, it's threat, it's vulnerability, it sounds like something you don't want to do. And if you look up any definition of risk, it usually looks something like 
the probability of, in, of failure times the impact of that failure over time. And that makes it a really unappealing thing for people to do. But I look at risk very differently. I look at risk as something that can be, like any other skill, learned and practiced. And women are already, like I mentioned before, really natural risk takers and have already, just by the nature of being the most at risk in our society, we already have a higher risk burden that we're already carrying around every day just how we walk through the world. So um, if we could actually internalize that, and really use that to propel us forward, that would be very helpful. So in my book, rather than asking women to fit into an outmoded mold that really doesn't fit us, I'm giving them a framework. It's a proprietary framework that I use for coaching called Find Her, which is fear, intuition, need, drive, habit, empowerment, and risk reward. And I'm actually giving people the how do I actually do this uh, type of exercises and direction in the book. So I think by providing a framework and applicable exercises, I think that's what differentiates it. Yeah, would you run through that acronym again, too, one more time, too? I want to make sure people caught that, the whole uh, concept of FIND HER. And what does that stand for again? Yeah, I'll actually um, maybe elaborate just uh, a little bit on what each of the proponents or components, rather, is of the cycle. Oh, that, so That'd be great. Um, it's great. Thanks, John. So fear is really the start of the cycle, and it's dynamic. It's not a linear process. You're going you're gonna to keep reentering these various steps. Fear will come into the process, uh, you know, almost at every turn. But how I'm talking about fear in this model is really about how to not confuse your level of fear about the risk with the level of the risk itself. So it's how do I properly assess my own fear and work with it in a way where it's not preventing me from taking risks and making me play too small. And one of the ways that you can do that is by tapping into the I, which is the intuition. So that is that internal knowing about what is best for you and makes you feel like a whole and fulfilled person. And for women, that journey is also very fraught because there are a lot of messages from the world and society and the media about what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to behave and act and show up in the world. So it can be very hard for us to tune back into what our natural state of uh, knowing and intuition is. So that is a really, really important part of the cycle. And I'll use just a quick example there, John, too. If I ask any woman who is a mother, how are you doing? Almost 10 out of 10 times, she will answer me with how her children are doing. It's like it's so far from her mind to even reflect. And then I'll say, no, how are you doing? And it will really take her a moment to really stop and tap in and think, how am I doing? So that's really what, what I'm talking about there is really kind of tuning back into your own internal compass. And then the next step from there is need. And I want to differentiate a need from a want. So a need is a core thing that you need for survival or growth towards your toward your potential. The rest are all wants and may bring you some temporary pleasure, but they're not actually going to create any sustainable happiness in your life. So being able to really focus on your needs is what will get you more focused on what steps you need to take and what risks you need to take to build the kind of life that you want. And then drive is that engaging with that motivation to go toward the decisions and the risks that you're taking. Empowerment is about enabling yourself to move forward and, and not asking for a permission slip from anybody else except yourself 
to do the thing that you know will be best for you. And I think that's another pattern I see in coach, you know, in women. I see it sometimes in myself that um, we almost feel like we need somebody to tell us that it's okay for us to leave or it's okay for us to not want to put up with a bad work relationship um, because it, it just doesn't feel like we always have 100% of agency over some of those decisions. And this is about giving yourself the permission slip. And then, of course, the risk-reward piece is about you actually making the moves and then being able to enjoy the, the fruits of your success. And a lot of people will ask me, what's the most important part of the cycle? And I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and all of it's important. But I think it's, it's been my work with very successful male founders and CEOs that actually informed this part of the framework for me. And that is this. I had my own pattern recognition of people who have met all of the traditional success markers that you or I, John, would think of. They, they sold their company. Mm-hmm. They built their company. They never had to work again. They, they basically had everything that they, they had ever thought that they wanted, but they couldn't enjoy what they had acquired and accumulated because when they got to that summit, they felt empty. And they thought, what's next? And there was a bit of an identity crisis. And I realized if you go back to the find her model, it's because in many of those, case, those cases, they skipped the in part of the model and fear was driving almost 100% of all of their actions and decisions. It was like they were running from something or, or wanting to keep that, that fearful thing at bay. But if you don't ever internal work to find out what you really require inside, then you're always going to be focused at your summit on what you're going without. These are fantastic insights, and we're going to dig into this a little deeper. But I'm going to take a quick moment here to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. So um, I just wanted to share with our listeners that Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest nonprofit universities founded in 1971, and the National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National, edu- National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. So thank you for your support, National University, and to all our sponsors and partners. And so now, Megan, we are back to you. So I I have another – well, I want you to toot your own horn here, of course. I believe your book, Risky Women, is now for sale on Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. Is that correct? It is, absolutely. You can go to either of those websites, or, and you can also check out some of the additional resources I have on the Risky Inc. website at www.riskyinc.com. Hmm, outstanding. And if folks want to reach out to you afterwards, whether it's to you know, talk about your book or book you for speaking engagements, something of that nature, what is the best avenue for the general public to uh to get a hold of uh, <clears throat> Megan Ragsdale outside of this Thank show. Thank you. Thank you, John, for asking. Um, I would say there's two great methods for that. On the website, www.riskyinc.com, there is a form where you can request consultation or speaking engagement, or you can reach out to me directly via email at Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at riskyinc.com. 
outstanding. So you've got quite a resume as I was reading in the notes here too. But um, And you obviously took some leaps of faith in your career to get where you are today. Um, you know, I, one question I have is where are women actually getting stuck in their career journeys these, these days from your, your research and your perspective? Oh, that can be, you know, there, there are some patterns there, John. I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, I think systemically there is so much broken. And I'm going to speak about women that take a traditional corporate path as well as women that run and own small businesses as well as, and maybe especially as women that want to run their own startups and, and are founders of companies that are seeking investment. And in each of those three categories, there are really difficult um, challenges that, that women face that are, are different than what their peers experience. And I think in the case of women founders, and especially women of color uh, who are also founders seeking investment, I think the data are very bleak here about how women really struggle to get the same investment as men do, even in a first or second round. So I think even getting that initial influx of money that they would need to get their businesses off the ground can be incredibly challenging, which interestingly, and not surprisingly knowing women the way I do, makes them very, very resourceful and able to create sustainable and profitable companies without taking on large investment capital uh, either. So I think it's just a longer journey, and I think it's just fraught with some more challenges. And I think as a, as a small business owner, um, I think if you are a woman in your household, whether you have kids or aging parents or all of these other, you know, maybe unpaid labor jobs that you're doing in addition, your time is really your most valuable and most important commodity in a lot of cases. And I think you're, you can just be spread too thin. And do you have the support that you need to be able to take on um, building your small business? And even in the corporate setting, it, it goes the same way. I, I think if corporations wanted to attract uh, more women candidates, they would be making their packages and their offer letters quite different. And I think in that regard, um, I think the data here are also very compelling and also very difficult. And I witnessed this really at, at the front row being a coach in many, many organizations of many, many executive teams. And that is that Women are getting performance feedback that is um, usually about their style and not about the actual contents and their capability in the organization. They're being held to a standard where they need to be both likable and highly competent, but if they show up a little bit more um, aggressive in how they're going about doing their business, they can be performance rated very differently. So there are a million different ways that I could answer that question, John, and I, I won't belabor you uh, with going through them all, but I think the, mm-hmm. the rules of the game can be pretty different, which is why I think there are really only, you know, three options that women can face, which is, you know, stay and do nothing, stay and fight, or quit, or leave and start your own thing. And I, I'm, I'm starting to see that that feels a little bit more like the right direction for everybody. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, I come from a very unique uh, work model in that I was hired, and by the way, this June, I'm going to be 40 years in my career. So I I think I finally figured it out. But one (laughs) of the things that um, was different, and I'm really, really grateful for, is that I was um, 
hired into and brought in into a women-owned business from the get-go where they, it was two sisters that were taking high risk and really rolled the dice and, and stuck their necks out there and went for it. And so the, the culture within the company that I worked for started with and the ones that I'm working for today is very much supportive. And you use that word support, looking for support. It's nice and refreshing to see companies that will do that and encourage people to do so, particularly the women who are highly accomplished in this industry of mortgage banking finance. Uh, it can vary uh, in some places be very female dominated, which is great. So when I hear these things, I'm from the perspective of why doesn't everybody see this or isn't this common knowledge or, you know, <laughs> it's common and I guess we're the anomaly to it. So as, as you've commented on that, you know, very, very adeptly. So, um, well, let me ask uh, another question here. Um, uh, we, we talked about getting stuck in your career, but I mean, what are the first thing that somebody needs to do or I mean, needs or should do or for their own self-preservation and edification when they do feel like they're just stuck? What's that first step uh, where the, well, where they're stuck in their careers? What's the first thing, you know, uh, risky mm-hmm. 101. Um, I think the first step is to not do what I think most high-performing, really type A folks that I tend to work with that are, you know, very successful, uh, really want to work hard and um, really kind of mine their work for every possible benefit is to, is to beat yourself up over it. I think sometimes what can really cloud people's judgment and ability to move off the starting blocks is they have let their bodies and their beings become so run down from either the toxicity of their work environment or maybe they're having a lot of challenges in another important area of their lives like family, friends, personal, and they're not necessarily primed for risk-taking even though they know that they they want to go in a different career, uh, career direction. Maybe they need to take care of this fire happening in another part of their lives first. So making yourself primed for risk-taking I think is really important. And I think one of the best ways to really start to get unstuck, even though it it may feel counterintuitive, John, because I think we've been trained in hustle culture, which I have a lot of thoughts about, but I think the hustle culture has trained us to want to be constantly in motion and feeling like we need to be constantly in action. And if we're not, then we're somehow behind the eight ball or we're not doing a good job. And then our brain chatter and our internal narrative is on this negative loop where we're just down on ourselves over and over again. And I think when you're trying to draw motivation from a place where you're feeling really low and really down, it's very, very hard to do. So I think if you're in that place of feeling um, a little bit of despair, you're feeling stuck, you're feeling really restless, Um, And this is where my background as a mindfulness um, certified teacher comes into play. It's really about learning how to become embodied again. The very first thing that I do with my coachees is not start engaging with their brains. I start engaging with their feelings and their emotions and what's happening inside their bodies. And I think when Mm -hmm. we're able to get them to a place where they're able to downregulate that fight or flight freeze panic feeling inside and they're able to find that calm still place 
from which they can actually tune into their own intuition and how they're feeling and what actually makes them happy, that's really what we need to do is clear out all of that brain chatter and get everybody to kind of that nice idling calm place. And that can take a little bit of time to do. And in the book, I have some exercises that I actually do do with my team and with my clients to really get that um, grounding in place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, at a presentation a couple weeks ago with our company, a national sales or, um, a meeting that we had. It kicked off right here in San Diego. And one of the speakers made such a um, a great case for ridding yourself of the toxic people or toxic environments in your life and how they can be not only mentally but just literally physically debilitating and you know counterproductive to anything you're trying to accomplish whether it's work family home personal relationships anything of that nature and so i think you made a good point when you said the word toxic that popped into my brain it made me realize that getting away from that can sometimes even though it's risky be one of the healthiest things that you can possibly do i mean would you agree from your perspective i would absolutely agree and i think maybe the reason why people dismiss that even though you know and and maybe we're as a culture over indexing on the word toxic a little bit and what does that really mean um, I think maybe people dismiss it because they think um, it doesn't have any grounding in actual neurobiology, but it does. It's not just a um, like a woo-woo concept that negative people are a, a negative drain on your energy. On your energy, it actually it, it actually impacts your brain functioning if you're in fear or if you're in despair or if you're feeling sad, your decision-making quality goes down and your Uh risk-taking tolerance becomes compromised. And so you're 100% right. I think one of the best things people can do is go on a little bit of that negativity diet and really insulate and protect themselves from things that are going to make them continue to feel bad to the extent that they're able to do that. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, and and I believe the speaker I was listening to said that they're clinically proven and I'm measurable. This is physiology. Mm-hmm. It's chemistry it within is. the brain. So, you know, there's science behind it. Uh, this is not just, you know, talking out the other side of our mouth here. Um, I knew that this half hour is going to fly by. We've got a couple minutes left here, too. I want to give you a chance before I don't want to rush you at the tail end of the show. Uh, again, let us know. Name your book, who you are, how they get hold of you, and give a little shout-out for Megan Ragsdale, okay? Thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity. What I really want to do is get this book in people's hands because I want women to feel like they can – start feeling back in the driver's seat of their careers and their lives right away. I really care about women doing and accomplishing the things that they want to. The the world needs more of us in more leadership and decision-making positions. And so please, if you want to understand a little bit more about how to do that um, practically and applicably in your life, please pick up a copy of Risky Women. You can get that on Amazon. Barnes & Noble, please visit www.riskyinc.com, R-I-S-K-Y-I-N-C.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your success stories. I absolutely want to be an advocate and a partner for all women that want to make big moves and bet on themselves. 
So it sounds like this is a good read, regardless of your gender. As a matter of fact, I'm saying it right here in front of the radio on its God and everybody that I have every intention of going out and buying your book, either today on the way home or tomorrow. Um, John, I've had more I, men tell me they get a lot out of the book, so I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. Yeah, good. And I will report back at a later date there. So as far as that goes, um, guys, we've, I, we could go on for another half hour easily. <laughs> I just want to let our listeners know that Megan comes <clears throat> well heel from the business world and not just tune your own horn at our invitation here, but uh, you've walked the walk and you talked the talk for the last 20 years. You worked for brands like Hulu, Dollar Shave Club, Motorola, Sony, North Face. So you've been in that mainstream Fortune 500 type of environment your whole life. And I'm, for one, I'm glad and very pleased that you're able to come and share this time with us on the day. Any last minute brilliant words of wisdom before I have to do our sign off here? No pressure, John. Um, I, no, I may no botch pressure. this quote. I think it's a Peter Drucker quote, but I love it, which is people who don't take risks make about two mistakes per year. People who do take risks make about two mistakes per year. So there's no reason yeah. not to just take a, take a gamble. Absolutely. That is wonderful. Well, I have to thank you for our show today. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Megan Ragsdale for being our leading lady here. Um, and special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We're expanding fast to a daily radio show but for now, we'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening. And, folks, I want you to go out there and have a really great week, a wonderful weekend. And as soon as you <clears throat> uh, get this podcast, we listen to it, please share with everybody and anybody you know. Again, Megan, thank you, and have a good weekend. Thank you, John. Thanks for the opportunity. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.